looking at verses 15 through 24. We will pray first, and then we will read the word of the Lord. Have him teach us. Father, blessed is the tie that binds us. Your love in our hearts, that we may love as we are loved. And Father, you've called us to oneness and to unity. You've called us to be diligent to your word. You have given us all wisdom and all we need for life and for godliness. Father, you've given us your blessed church, your precious word, and your Holy Spirit to seal us as a promise of eternity. Lord, as we draw to your word and we drink, Father, may you uh, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and souls that respond to the awesome wonder of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Father. Thank you for bringing us this day. Thank you for your grace and mercies that you've carried us this far. Father, may we bow before you in humble adoration to your glory and praise. Amen. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 15 through 24 is what we've been looking at. Let's read the word of the Lord. Now, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that they are the first fruits of Achaia. They have devoted themselves to minister, for ministry to the saints. They are also subjecting, and you also being in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus, Fortunaeus, Achaeus, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you, Quilla and Prisca. Greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The greeting is in my own hand, Paul. And if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed, Maranatha, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's an amazing text, actually. And what we're looking at it is because it's bracketed, and it's taken us a little longer than what some would have thought you'd do the conclusion of a letter on. But if it's bracketed between the statement, let all that you, be done, let all that you do be done in love, and my love be with you in Christ Jesus, I'm thinking there's an emphasis and you see the statements between the two, it's dealing with love. And what is love in the fellowship? Because let's be realistic, in our years of studying this letter, there was a definite uh, shallowness in the love that existed in the body of Christ. There was divisions, there were schisms. Um, there was um, over and over the statement is made is you are puffed up. One of the things I have learned from Scripture and in my life is that if you are puffed up, you do not love. Now you love yourself, okay, but you will not have a love for others. Um, and everyone will be as, what can I get accomplished through this person's relationship? And that's what we've been looking at. You've looked at this text and we've seen evangelism. The first fruits of Achaia, the household of Stephanus. Stephanus, his whole household got saved. 
He was the first fruits. So that's evangelism. And it was so impactful that even his slaves in his household were saved. And it was so impactful that they began ministering, which is service. And, and, and I, I struggle with this in our day and age in our society because I watch people, quote unquote, say a prayer or walk an aisle or make a, quote unquote, profession of faith or, you know, I, I have accepted or I have received or things like that. And yet I don't see a change in them. And therefore, I get into trouble because I said, you know, every time that I've read scripture, when a person got saved, true salvation invaded their lives. There was no doubt in anybody's mind something happened. Whether it be the Apostle Paul, whether it was Stephanus, whether it's Fontanaeus, whether it was Peter, uh, just go down the list. I mean, Matthew left a lucrative job that was the envy of all and walked away from it for Christ. Okay? There shouldn't be a change. There isn't this, you know, what I hear today and what people tell me today um, don't fit biblically and I get into trouble with it. Oh, you're being judgmental. Yeah, that's me. And that's funny. He gave us First John. Have you read it? I'd read it. Just once through should be just about enough. And then you can say, oh, Terry's judgmental. Him and John. <laughs> because, see, evangelism will move to service, and then that service will move to submission. You will find people who will set a pace, a path, a pattern that you will say, I want to be like them. Paul told the Philippians, the things you have received, the things you have heard, and the things you have seen... In me, do those things. You know what, brothers and sisters, you have been blessed in this body that there are some of those around. Okay, now as a pastor, I will tell you there's not enough. But I will tell you that there are some of those around and you should put yourself in subjection and become devoted, hyper-devoted, hyper-addicted to that lifestyle. Because it's worth your effort. Because what will come out of that is companionship and you will find that you can be around people who are refreshing to your spirit. Those people are a blast too, by the way. They refresh you. Now listen, there are times that you may be have to be rebuked. But if you're truly honest, is that not refreshing? I like that. I like that. I started a little controversy. You know me. Someone made a comment that uh, an unbeliever gave a great challenge to the church. And I said, uh, why would I care what an unbeliever wants the church to be? Well, you don't understand. It just It's holding our feet to the fire. I said, try the first three chapters of 1 Thessalonians, and if you can make that challenge, then do 4 and 5. Because 4 and 5, he says, I want you to excel more. But I'd like to see you do the first three. Okay? And I'm not going to explain it to you because if it gets your curiosity up, then I've already won because you'll go read 1 Thessalonians and say, what was it? What's the challenge? Read it, you'll find it. You don't have to have a tharsis either. A what? 
I don't know. I want a tharsis. You guys can use whatever you want. Why? Because it is refreshing. Because then you will start finding that there's respect for those men and women who are walking to the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of His Scripture in an absolute overwhelming love for the person of Christ. And then your hospitality will spring forth in such a way that you have an unequivocal love for strangers. We looked at that last week. So now then, we've looked at some massive theology, some massive understanding of what is love that Christ has called us to. So today we will step into a new venue and where we had theology. Today we will move into kissology. That's what it says. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Is that not kissology? I have watched people do yoga moves to try to explain to me this was cultural. I have one problem with that. Is it the Word of God? What part of it is the Word of God? The jot and the tittle, according to Jesus. So that would make... A holy kiss has got nothing to do with culture. So that's why I probably ought to deal with some kissology. You see it four other statements, five times in Scripture, one here, four other times. Romans 16, 16. 2 Corinthians 13, 12, 1 Thessalonians 5, 26, and 1 Peter 5, 14. And in all of them, it is the same idea. Okay? So I guess if it's not cultural, then what in the world is Paul talking about? Right? Um, I can tell you it's really very simple. Um, it hasn't changed since its invention. Um, a kiss was and is a sign of affection. I know everybody thought she was going to get something really great out of it. The change has appeared um, because it used to be men to men and women to women. If you cared for somebody, uh, you gave them a kiss. So you go to Russia, you can get surprised. <laughs> You can't because they will greet you very warmly and they will kiss you on the cheek, one cheek or the other. Okay, uh, they're not like the French. The French do the two cheek thing; they just kiss you on the cheek. But if the affection grows in that relationship, duck, because they'll plant one right on you, buddy. And I know it because <laughs> I got caught off guard a couple of times. I was getting ready to do one of these and got the. <laughs> Golly! <laughs> now I know that is a cultural thing because it shocked me right out of my cultural boots. <laughs> but what I have seen is is that when that relationship grows and you know I have taught over there I think five or six times and have dealt with some 
very intimate and strong stuff that these men pastors and bible teachers are dealing with and you know dealing with sin in the church and 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 the person of the holy spirit and the person of god and and then had opportunity to preach at numerous different occasions and and the passion that i have and the passion that they have uh, a, a great affection has showed forth and there's some of these guys who will express to you that affection Okay, now everybody's getting nervous. All the guys are going, oh, God. <laughs> He's going to want to kiss us. <laughs> Let's go through it. Okay, the word that you see here, philema. Philema is the word to kiss. You see it seven times in the New Testament. And it is always in reference to the brethren, uh, a sign of affection. Uh, the only time in Scripture, okay, that a kiss is described between a man and a woman. Okay? Proverbs 7.13. Okay, you can go look these up later. But it's Proverbs 7.13. That's the kiss of a harlot. Do I need to explain any more about that? Alright? And then, in that one book that <laughs> everyone just loves to read, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2. The kiss of the beloved. Okay. And then in chapter 4, verse 11, same reference. But the word is different there. Okay. It's a different word. Um, it's Solomonic is the term in the original language. Solomonic. And it literally means a sweetness under the tongue. Do I need to describe that? Okay. Okay, if you're married, you know what I'm... Well, maybe you don't. <laughs> if you're married, you should know what that is. If you're not, we'll meet afterwards, <laughs> and I'll explain it to you. Okay, but it's Salomonic, and that's different, because the kiss that is spoken of here is to kiss. Um, everything else in Scripture is referring men to men or women to women. And it is a sign, a physical sign of affection. And you're going to see how this plays in. You're going to see why he uses this. I guarantee it. Because it's fascinating to me to, the way the apostle ties this all together. Okay. Um, it is, and, and I really wish that we could understand, you know, a holy kiss is a physical manner of showing affection. Period. All right. You know, it's sort of like, uh, remember when we start, you started seeing all them bumper stickers? Uh, have you hugged your kid today? Or have you hugged your Shetland pony today? Or whatever it was, you know, you know, have you hugged? No one ever says, have you hugged your wife today? Okay. And it's, oh, I don't have a wife. Well, never mind. Um, but, but it's just, it's something to show. And don't we do it? Isn't a hug? A sign of affection? Well, some of them. Some of them are like, I feel like a puppy. Okay. Well, but some people like puppies. Okay. All right. It's, 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 it's affirming. It's positive. There's something about physical contact that shows an affection that is affirming. Isn't it? It's pleasing. And some of you are agreeing. All the women are agreeing. The guys are going. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. <laughs> I believe this is a tragedy in the church today because I believe there is a need for us to demonstrate our affection. 
Okay? At the time of Scripture's writing of the New Testament, uh, men and women were separate in the church. You, you could not set, set together. Um, and there has always been affectionate greetings. And you would have the women greeting the women, and the men would be greeting the men. And it would be done through kissing. It's not a new phenomenon. If you go to um, Genesis 29 and Genesis 33, um, you see them greeting with kissing. Uh, you see in Genesis 31 and in Genesis 50 uh, saying goodbye was done by kissing. When they said goodbye to the Apostle Paul, uh, the Ephesian elders, what did they do? They kissed him. Okay. Um, Whenever a father was going to bless a child, do you know how he did it? He kissed the child. And if you look at Eastern customs today, you will see that you can kiss the beard, you can kiss the forehead, you can kiss the cheek, um, and it still goes on. Okay, unless you're in Russia and they really like you. Um. So you can kiss the cheek and kiss cheek to cheek, or you can just put your cheek up there and, and, and all this, but it is a sign of affirming affection by both individuals. And I believe that this is something that the church has lost. I really do. I really do. Um, and I, 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 there's so many reasons that I could give you that I, I don't really have time to go through it, but I think it's just difficult at times to be affectionate. Okay, and, and now listen, I know that things have been perverted. Absolutely. Does that negate that the body of Christ should show affection to other believers in Christ? I, I think what has happened in our society, you and I, uh, is that we have willingly isolated ourselves. And in some cases, we have insulated ourselves. Um, Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, emails uh, go down the line. What is that? How do you show affection on Facebook? Oh, I love you. That works? Really? I love my dog too. And I love my dog more than I do you. Because he doesn't have a Facebook page. And I, and I think it's just something that we have... Um, I think we've lost it. I think we've lost a very powerful thing in the body of Christ that shows the affection for the saints of Christ. And, and we sometimes we do it by insulating ourselves. You know what? When we grew up, I grew up in a small community and we had subdivisions like we do around here. Okay. But I tell you what, wherever I was, if me and my brother went downtown or we walked over here, we went down and played basketball, we went play. everybody in town knew who we were and they would tell my mom and dad that what we were doing. Right? And it was because they were all involved. Everybody was involved with each other. Now what do we do? We isolate ourselves. And then we get to the point where we email, um, and, and I was, you know, I, we don't even want to talk to you on the phone. You know, that texting thing with, what is up with that? You know, I don't know how to spell no more, so I, you, and B, <laughs> see you by. <laughs> what? Okay, you know, uh, 
you just look at it and go, huh. And then I have a new phone and I tried to text back and I couldn't get the N and the O to go back iron. So I was answering a question and the answer was no. And all I could get was on. <laughs> so I sent it to him. <laughs> there you go. It was a yes or no answer and I got on. Hold up to a mirror. You'll know what I said. I don't think, I think the church in Rome hurt us too. Um, the church in Rome believed that Paul here is instituting a ceremony that you are to greet each other. And if you look at some of the Orthodox Catholics between the communion and the mass, there will be this kissing thing where everybody, you'll turn and kiss whoever's to the left or right of you. Okay? Uh, it, but the, the Romans, bless their heart, they started kissing everything because they believed that this was an institution. That by 578 A.D., they voted down kissing of dead bodies. Okay. I'm, you had to vote on that. <laughs> <laughs> And by the Middle Ages, uh, they have pretty much gotten rid of the ceremonial kissing um, and, and, and the greeting of each other. And then they started kissing the statues of the saints. Uh, they would kiss the altars. They would kiss the icons. They would kiss any the, the relics, they call them. They would kiss these. That at, Actually, if you go to St. Peter's Cathedral today, you will see that they have kissed Peter's toe so much that it's gone. Okay? I, I was at um, the grave of Christ in Jerusalem, and they had taken a, a saw and had cut out the slab that he actually set on a, a, a stone saw, and they have it laying out in the middle so that more people can get to it, and they've got incense burners all the way around it, and everybody lines up to kiss it. The stone. Okay, and then you go up off, off the little, like a rise where you see what they call as Golgotha, and you can spend money and stick your head up in this hole and kiss the hole where the cross went down uh, in the place of the skull. And they, 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 they get good cash out of that. They had a line. I'm sitting there, I ain't kissing that. <laughs> but nothing personal. <laughs> They have a bunch of goofy lips on that thing. <laughs> Watch them when they hold out their hands. And they have a ring on it. It's supposed to be a holy ring. And what do they do? It is a great honor these days to kiss the hand of the Pope. Okay, listen. I can tell you this emphatically. Paul is not instituting a ceremony here. We are a people who are prone to make some kind of function out of everything. Uh, foot washing. You know, this is foot washing Sunday. What? <laughs> well, I took a bath. Sorry. But, but we got to have foot washing. Really? Was that really instituted? Or was it said? In, it's like head coverings. Does it say you have to have a head covering? No, it says you need to have an attitude of submission. Okay, what is foot washing? That is an attitude of submission. Uh, that's, that's the issue. 
Um, a holy kiss is what I call a free expression of affection. Of affection. Okay, and it's not the sweetness under the tongue. Okay, it's a different word. It's in a show of affection. You know, I've had people get mad at me. Oh, I've seen you hug that girl. <laughs> I've hugged puppies. <laughs> Give me a break. Listen, you guys, some of you have known me. I was raised by a retired Marine. How much affection do you suppose I was exposed to? Okay, this has been a learning curve thing for me. And yet, it is easy to show affection. Why? Because the love of Christ has been poured in my heart. How can you not? I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I like it, though. Listen, I don't want you guys to walk out of here saying, Terrence wanted us a bunch of us to start kissing. That is not what I'm trying to get at here. I am looking at love and the fellowship. Is it expressed? And now listen, if you say, well, we all got together and had a potluck, or we all got together and cut down trees, or we all got together and went fishing, and things, that is not the expression of... I did that with lost people. That is not an expression of affection. See, we can start with a, a, a warm handshake. Gee, many crickets. Yeah, you got people. And, and, you know, a little of this he's trying to get across to the Corinthians would go a long ways. And I believe it would go a long ways here. See, it's an expression of affection. That's what's being said here. You know what? We started out, the body of Christ started out with these little house churches. Okay, that everybody came to your home and it, it was a day process. And you started early in the morning and they would have breakfast and then you'd go through and you'd have lunch and have teaching and times of worship and singing and some more teaching and to the evening and you would go through and the whole time you're intermingling with each other and you're, you're just loving on each other. But then we moved to cathedrals. And, and I think we've gotten into the staring of the back of the head syndrome. You know, I know everybody from the back of their head. Well, that's Al. Karen. You know, well, look at the way their hair's parted. And that's what we do. And we want a big church. Why? I can kind of come in. I can do, hey, man, hey, brother, brother. And I'm out of here. Maybe I can get in and get out before anybody says something to me. And you know what happened in the body of Christ and it is happening in the body of Christ? We've become a collection of strangers. And I don't, I don't get that. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I can get in and out of church without even saying anything. See, where there is love in the church, there is going to be outward signs of affection. Okay? We all agree with that? Guess what? Verse 21. This greeting is in my own hand. Paul. You know what that means? It's authoritative. It's authentic. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you will see that some people were passing letters around saying that they were from Paul and dealing with the second coming of Christ or that he had already come the second time. Uh, and, and people were struggling with it. So he said, this was my own hand. No. Even if somebody brings you a letter as if from me. So he would sign, sign off on his letters in his own hands to prove the authenticity of what he was saying. 
Why? Because he probably had a scribe that was writing down what he was putting out. He would dictate it, they would write it out, and then at the end of it, he would write a P.S. at the end of it. And this plays into what he has just said. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This greeting is in my own hand. Now look what he's talking about. I want to show you this. You've got to look at this. If anyone does not love the Lord, stop right there. What did I tell you this text is dealing with? Love and the fellowship. And then he says... If anyone does not love the Lord, you don't even have to worry about the rest of this. Why? Because they're cursed. Anathema. You know what the word literally means in the Greek? Devoted to destruction. That's a pleasant thought. That's devoted to. Eager for it. I'm striving. Why? If you don't love the Lord. See, it's a PS. Postscript. On a letter. And he says, I'm talking about love. And I'm talking about the love and the fellowship. There needs to be an interchange of love. There needs to be affection. It needs to be seen. You need to quit being puffed up. Humble thyself and do what? Show the people that you care. But he says, I'll tell you this in the postscript. If anybody doesn't start with the love for the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? They're cursed. They're cursed. See, that's the beginning of it all. Now, what is absolutely... What is amazing about this, if you look at the love and the fellowship, and you go, okay, I've got evangelism, I've got service, I've got submission, I've got to do, you know, I'm trying to be refreshing. Uh, you know, I've got respect for those who are in authority, and hospitality, I love a stranger. You know, and I'll, I'm going to work on that kissing thing. I'll go with the handshake. And then, you know... But you know what? I watch people who do not have a love for the Lord, and they don't have any... They can have no concept of this. No concept. Whatever. Now then, when you look at that, you read that little phrase there. If anyone does not love the Lord, what do you suppose the word love there is? Anybody want to guess? The original language. Anybody want to guess? Agape? Agapon? How about phileo? It's the only time he ever uses it. He uses phileo. You know what that is? An extremely strong affection. It's what what Linsky calls a second-rate love. It ain't divine love. It's a second-rate love. Even if you have a second-rate love for Christ, then you're not cursed. Fascinating, don't you think? I want you to greet each other with what? An outward sign of Affection. Why? Even if you have an affection for Jesus Christ, you will not be accursed. Don't you think that's fascinating? I thought that was fascinating. It freaked me out. I said, what's wrong with him? Well, it goes back to John 21. Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know I phileo you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know I phileo you. He says, then tend my sheep. Peter, do you phileo me? Peter wept. Lord, you know. 
even Peter, if you can only have a strong affection for me, then tend my sheep. That's good, eh? That is grace and mercy. Why? The standard is agape. Agopan. A divine love. But by His grace and mercy, even if you just have a strong affection for Him, it's good enough. It's good enough. Because anything short of that strong affection is anathema. Devoted to destruction. He's gracious. And so, now, do you see how the ties together? I want you to show an outward affection. Why? Because if you do not even have an outward affection for Christ, then you're cursed. So could you, in the love of Christ, show an outward affection? for? And, and in this church, they were definitely a little on the short side of outward affection. I mean, they would have potlucks and they would have the good food before the poor people got there. The Lord's table became a time to get drunk. That sounds loving and affectionate. They had perverted the spiritual gifts. There was division and they were, I am a Paul, I am a Paulus. It's what I call personality cults. People were coming in and going out and there was nothing seen to the point that the greatest dissertation on what is love was given to us in chapter 13. See, you know God is gracious even to accept a strong affection for His Son who died for your sins. See, Paul is saying if you don't have a strong affection for Jesus Christ, you're cursed. You're cursed. You you can't even begin to handle the love in the fellowship. You don't even know what it is. You don't even know. And, and it's if you're really honest with yourself, isn't that where it all starts? If there isn't a love for Jesus Christ, then what do you got? You ain't got nothing. God even accepts us if we just have an affection for Christ. And if you don't, Paul says in the postscript, you're anathema. You're anathema. Then he says, Maranatha. Now that one was a puzzler for me. Okay, because Maranatha, if you look at it in Greek, it's Maranatha and there's no definition for it. You know why? Because it's a grouping together of three Aramaic words. And you say, what the... Is going on here. It's Mar Anatha. Three Aramaic words. You know what it means? Our Lord come. You see that? If you don't have a strong affection for Christ, you are cursed. Lord come. You know what that means, right? Did you know that the church was sowed with tares? You know what tear is? It's a weed. Okay, and it tells us we're not supposed to worry about them. 
got to deal with it. And what Paul is saying here, is, here in Aramaic, Mar Anathe, is God come and judge these who do not have an affection for you. So those who would be in the church who do not have a strong affection for the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is saying, God, come and deal with them. And so you look at that, and if you're one of these who don't have a strong affection in the church, you should be afraid. But you're also getting an invitation. Maybe you need to have a strong affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord will judge. See, part of the problem in the church that keeps it from being a place full of love is what? Weeds, tares, unbelievers in the body of Christ. If you don't have a strong affection, Paul is saying, Maranatha, God, come and remove them. That's fascinating. You and I, some of you, uh, we've been together for a long time. We've seen God come and remove them. See, bye. And I mean, it was done in ways you just sort of, whoa. In other ways, you're like, hmm. Okay. Listen, you got to understand something. Judgment begins where? Not Washington, D.C. Not in the state capitol building. It begins where? In the church. Is that now? You betcha. You betcha. So what Paul is saying with Maranatha is, Lord, come and clean your church. Sort of goes against the church growth movement, doesn't it? Lord, could you thin this bugger out? What? Yeah, why? I would rather see a small group full of love than a huge group that knows the back of each other's heads. So you have both invitations. To the tares, come to Christ, and to God for purity. All in one phrase. Maranatha. So you have anathema and maranatha. If you do not have an affection for Christ, anathema. And Lord, come and deal with it. Wow. See, you're never going to get into the love of the fellowship. You'll never share in the marks of love and... Paul is saying, Lord, come and judge those. And you you and I have seen it. You know what? I could go through a list right now and every one of you would go, amen, he's right. You have seen the people who come through the church who never understood evangelism, had never understood service, have never understood. That sounds like legalism. You're going to go out and you never understood. They're, They're... companionship was not refreshing. They don't have a respect for the leadership in the church. They have no idea how to love strangers and they definitely weren't affectionate in a holy way. Right? You've seen them. 
You can go through your list. And you know what? They didn't have a strong affection for Christ, which made them devoted to destruction. Ah, that's a serious PS on the end of a love letter, isn't it? Because this is a love letter. See, I've, I've read this and, and I backed away from it for a second and I sat there and go, man, that's, that's like in your face. I mean, you know, I want love in the fellowship and if you don't have a strong affection for Jesus Christ, you're devoted to destruction. Come quickly, Lord, and judge them. I just feel love. Seems strong, but you know what? It seems strong, it seems critical only to those who are in rebellion against Christ. If you have a strong affection for Christ, then you should be highly encouraged by this text because you would like to see the fellowship what? Full of love and those who are devoted to destruction just aren't sharing in the love. Right? You know, it's funny because it shows up here when I think about this showing physical affection, you would probably be seen as an evangelistic, serving, submitted, refreshing, respectful lover of strangers. And if you're doing that and that is your attitude, then your signs of affections will not be misconstrued. I know people who want to show signs of affection. Had a situation a few years ago where a person was making other people very uncomfortable because he was affectionate. And uh, he definitely was not doing any of the other six. And finally, I prayed about it and I set the man down and I asked him if he knew what the definition of sexual harassment was. And he says, I don't. I says, nobody does. That means when it gets thrown, it's dangerous because it can be to the individual's discernment. And it wasn't much longer after that the man left this church. Kind of strange. You know, I've had people say, well, you hugged such and such and she was a single woman. You know what I found is I hug everybody. Men, women, kids. But what I found is people, if you hug someone that's attractive, all of a sudden, oh, what are you doing there? <laughs> so go hug the ugly ones. I don't know. Now everybody, if he hugs me, that means I'm ugly. <laughs> but you know, but haven't you know, I don't, but I, I've gotten into trouble. You hugged her. Yes, so. You know what? <laughs> she hugged me back. <laughs> you know, I've hugged guys. He ain't nothing. I was in Orel, Russia one time and a guy. But you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? If you are in the first part of this love, guess what? Affection will be the outflow of it. Won't it? Isn't it? Absolutely. How can it not be? In all that you do, what? Be done in love. Be done in love. And then he concludes it with this statement. Grace 
and love. Grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Okay, the word amen ain't in the original text. Why? Because it will take grace and love to fulfill these 16 chapters of this letter. And it becomes our battle, doesn't it? Okay? Guess what? We just finished 1 Corinthians. Let's, <laughs> let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for my brother Paul. Thank you for the body of Christ. Lord, I just pray that we be known as a fellowship of love. And Father, that we can rest the assurances of what you have set before us. Father, <clears throat> I thank you for the time that I have had with my good friend, precious friend. And Lord, you know that even now, and I'm not sure I want to leave this letter. And yet, Father, uh, more on the horizon. Father, uh, help us who are called by your name to walk in a manner worthy. And Father, may we be people knowing that the only thing that we can do better here on earth than in heaven is reach the lost. And that, Father, that we understand that the washing of feet is the ultimate sign of service. And Father, may we be addicted to serving you and you alone. Father, may we be in all submission to those who are walking worthy, to those who teach us, to those who have leadership over us. Father, may we, our presence to the saints be refreshing. Father, may we respect those who have gone before us, those who have taught us, those who have walked, who have helped us, who have lifted us up. Father, may we have an overwhelming love for strangers. And Father, may the love of Christ that has been poured in our hearts be seen to the men and women that you draw to our lives. And Father, as my precious brother prays here and states here, Maranatha, Lord, come. Purify your church. And Father, those who do not have an affection for our Savior, may they repent, come to the saving knowledge and the love of the fellowship. To your glory, to your praise, in Christ, Christ alone. Amen.